Well, welcome to the Redemptification Podcast, guys. I am so glad to be with you today and so glad to be with who I'm with. Today, I've got Kerry Wilson, who in 2013 left his law practice to become president of 610 LLC, which is the most interesting real estate development, private equity, blend of Brunswick's stew of investment type of group you've ever seen loving a place. His ties started way earlier as he was a company's legal counsel and a board member and a stockholder. But then I think as he started thinking about what he wanted to do in the next season of his life, he determined he wanted to help animate and transform downtown Winterhaven with his buddies, Bud Strang, Joe Bogdan, and, and others now that are part of 610. He refers to himself as an urban strategist and, and loves the idea of placemaking and the work they're doing in Winterhaven, I think, is one of the best examples of this work of redeeming towns and caring about them and loving them at scale of anywhere I've seen. Now, he'll probably disagree with me on that. He's an excellent writer, an adventurous traveler, and a lover of life and art. He's one of the coolest humans I know, and I, he'll argue with me on that, but I'm honored to have him on the show. Thanks for being here, Kerry. Well, John, thank you for that kind introduction. Uh, you know, urban strategist was a category on Facebook that you could choose, and it sounded better than real estate developer, <laughs> which I still have a hard time saying. People say, what do you do? I'm, I'm, I'm a real estate developer. but right. you know, It kind of has a negative connotation to it. Nobody says when they're looking, I want to be a real estate developer when I grow up. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> but we can do a lot of good. If, if we have the right motives, especially if we're living in our investment and living in the town we love. And you grew up in Winter Haven. I was born in Winter Haven. And I've lived here all my life except for college. Wow. Uh, and, and a lot of the times growing up, I wasn't loving Winter Haven. <laughs> it was a small, small town that, you know, had its ups and downs. And when I went off to school every time, I said, oh, I'm not going to be coming back here. <laughs> uh, but things always kind of develop at a that I did, and I'm really glad that it happened. I, I've lived an interesting life because of it. So many people I've known for so long, and you see how their lives develop, you know, whether mm. you're close with them or not, but, you know, all, all kinds of stuff happens, and it's fascinating. And uh, and what we've done with 610 allows more of that to happen. I, uh, walking downtown at night, grabbing a drink, you, you run into people. You know, you haven't seen in a long time, you know, and you have interesting conversations and you make plans that normally if there wasn't a place to meet, you just wouldn't do. And so a lot of the stuff we've done have made a made Winter Haven a more interesting place to live and grow up, I'm, I'm sure. Well, uh, that's a big part, I think, of working in a town is you get to be involved. And in, I mean, I've been there with you guys and we go have a little go to the wine bar and then people show up that, you know, and we start having these conversations. It's a magical serendipitous thing when you've got places people congregate and and find one another especially on a wednesday evening or something you know it's just it's unique and you're you're i think really you know dialed into the community and and grabbing a meal here or doing that there you it seems you really enjoy the fact that charlestown has has those things now well, have a good time. You just have to drive 50 miles, you know, <laughs> Ando or, or Tampa. But uh, with the restaurants we've got here and, and the bars and, and more retail interest and mm -hmm. the apartments you know, that are going up and things like that, it's just it's becoming more and more interesting every day. 
So tell us a little minute about Winter Haven. Where is Winter Haven and what is Winter Haven? And then how in the world did you get connected with your two partners that uh, have kind of been with you for so long doing this? Well, Winter Haven is uh, kind of about 50,000 now. It's really rapidly growing. You know, Poe County, where we are, is the fastest, one of the fastest growing MSAs in the country. Uh, it's gone up and down. It was the location of Cypress Gardens, which was the biggest you know, tourist development attraction in the world for many years. Uh, we've had spring training uh, baseball here, not now, but previously with the Boston Red Sox and Cleveland Indians. Um, classic downtown that, 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 you know, thrived during the forties and fifties. And then in the sixties, a mall was built, you know, that just sucked all the energy out of the downtown and it decayed. Um, mm -hmm. I used to call a downtown Winter Haven, little Beirut. I mean, there was <laughs> bombed out buildings looking, the sidewalks were cracked and, and there wasn't much there. Um, we, you ask about the people I've, I've worked with. That's been, you know, the greatest thing uh, about my later years that I get to go go to work and and talk to and argue with and and then go have a drink later with Bud Strang and Joe Bogdan. Uh, now, and previously Half Hazelwood and now Steve Christman. Yeah. Uh, you've been great additions to it uh, to our our team. Um, and. You know, that's one of the things I just value in life. I mean, we can always laugh uh, and, and ha uh, have a joy in what we're doing, uh, even though sometimes it's nerve wracking. <laughs> At least oh, you've... You know, people, people like Bud Strang, you know, they take risks. They see the, the end point. Uh, I'm a, um, I was a good lawyer because I could see all the critical ways things could fail. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see if we can shore those up before we uh, jump off the uh, jump off the roof and assemble the plane on the way down. Well, and it is, you know, it, it it's both it, having a, like our team, Ty and Brad and Ash and, you know, now all the folks on our team, it's those differing perspectives. And you guys, what I love is when we first met you, and we've been working together for years to see how the different personalities you guys have at the table really work hard to get a to get together and get on the same page find common ground about the decisions you're going to make even when it's messy to do so sometimes yeah we've certainly done that there are very very few times the votes not unanimous yeah it's amazing so what tell us about 610 y'all been doing this a long time but it started kind of as buying some opportunities you were an attorney joe had his own business going and how did this develop? Like, what are some of the stages of you starting buying opportunities for buildings and businesses? Well, I actually look back this morning. Uh, I'm kind of surprised how far it went back. Uh, you know, we were, because of some previous business deals, uh, Joe and I were partners with Bud and his father um, in a couple of other businesses, and, and which had been, we sold some properties and done some things. Uh, but in 1998, um, this building I'm in right now, which was the original Publix uh, uh, grocery store um, owned by George Jenkins, uh, had a Cuban restaurant downstairs and, and nothing upstairs. Uh, and it went up for sale and it was so darn cheap. We just said, well, let's keep the restaurant there because all of us worked you know, around the downtown. and uh, and then the, over the next couple of years, because of our, our one of the businesses we were operating, we bought these two 
uh, large telco buildings that were downtown uh, that had been built and then um, it became obsolete almost uh, immediately. They're uh, unique buildings too, the way these telcos were built, right? They're, they're, it's, it's, yeah, they're built to withstand atomic blasts and, you know, I mean, 300 mile per hour winds and, and they were pretty amazing buildings. Uh, we bought one of them, uh, well, bought one of them, then realized, which we didn't know before we bought it, that a lot of uh, fiber optic cable, because of the telephone company, ran right into that building. Uh, and even more across the building next door. And so buying the second building was a trick. Uh, GTE didn't want to let it go, that we had to condominiumize the building so they could still own the floors they needed. Um, and then, you know, we, we ended up buying um, what you know is the Beamer building, which mm -hmm. uh, uh, right at the main intersection of our downtown, 3rd Street and Central Avenue. And it's a, a building of some architectural interest. Uh, was falling down. A woman lived on the second floor with 20 cats. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just nothing. Yeah. Uh, and we bought it and then did a much more expensive job off uh, renovating it than what, you know, we planted it because we didn't know. But it's a really nice building. And um, then across this caddy corner across the street, which was a old Woolworth built uh, store, yeah. Um, an old drugstore that again just had gone into decay. A, a book trader of uh, used books had bought it. Um, well, we bought that. So suddenly we owned you know two, two parts of the main intersection of downtown. Um, then around uh, you know, the turn of the turn of the century, um, some other people started getting interested. Um, mm -hmm. There was a movement in Main Street, a Main Street organization was formed. Um, the city, uh, uh, through the city manager at that time, started to understand that if you invest in a downtown, it's going to benefit the entire town. Uh, and so uh, they made the decision, which we kind of helped them with, to move the library downtown, which was a huge plus. Uh, and then they fixed all the sidewalks. And then now they just fixed them. They put brick pavers down, and, and, and it's really um, at least in my experience, unique as how we kept that common theme throughout. Uh, and at that point around 2010, 2012, we were coming out of the recession. And some other buildings became available uh, at that same intersection. Uh, what we call the Central Tavern building now was had a, <clears throat> uh, a furniture store in there, an antique store that was probably paying a dollar fifty a square foot of rent. Yeah. Uh, on the uh, on the the ceiling or the roof of that was a pool tarp held down by cinder block, and it was just falling down. And again, we were able to buy that at the time. Seemed like a lot of money, but you know, you look back, it was nothing. That we bought it for and did a really nice renovation. And so suddenly it was like. Started no, moving, you had some momentum going, you're buying buildings. And what about, how did businesses come in? Because I know you guys, not only is it buildings, but businesses. I remember one, for instance, uh, y'all's Kimclad, the, the, your tenant passed away, right? That's right. The main principal, yeah, he, he passed away. Yeah, Kimclad is a real outlier for us, even despite all your best advice and urging up for us to eliminate uh, investments that were outside of strictly downtown. Uh, we, we 
this is goes way back. I mean, we used to have this business called Florida Data Bank. We were one of the first offsite record storage centers in the, in the state. And um, out there on that property in Auburndale, we had an extra bit of land, and and this this business Camclad came along, and we said we build we'll build this building for you, pre-stressed concrete, looks like a bunker. <laughs> uh, and um, we had a good experience with them. They paid the rent. The old man finally died. Um, some of the employees kind of came to us and said, would you guys be interested? They were a good tenant. We did. And this turned out to be a wonderful investment. Um, they're going to do $6 million worth of revenues this year. And, you know, it, it very much uh, feeds, feeds our uh, real estate habit. Um, as <laughs> I love how Bud says that. He says my operational businesses are, are the feed our real estate habit. So that's that's y'all. So y'all got these buildings. You started buying. When did you start realizing you kind of this is a portfolio? We've gotten a different size than just opportunities and projects. We've moved kind of, and we need to start thinking about this in a in a different way. Well, I mean, to be honest about that. Um, you know, we got out, got out over the tips of our skis uh, mm -hmm. as far as what we were doing. I mean, again, we we were renovating buildings and not selling them. We're not in you know, the traditional real estate renovate and sell and make a profit. We wanted to start thinking about holding them. Um, and and the, the operational businesses, I mean, had some challenges. Yeah. Um, um, they can make you some money, but they can lose you some money quite quickly. And so it was, it was 2012. Uh, How about, can you give us a lens of the operational businesses? I want people to know, I mean, y'all guys, it's really unique, the different verticals you're in and some of the things you're involved in. Camclad does um, specialize uh, on-demand um, wood, wood cutting and stuff like that. Uh, Camclad's a weird thing for Commercial yeah. veneer. Cabinetry. Veneer, cabinetry and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, protected trust is the outgrowth of several businesses that we had over the years that were taking advantage of the the, the high bandwidth that the, the telco buildings that we we knew a lot. Um, we sold some software, bought some software, developed it, sold it, made a lick, uh, quickly lost lost most of that money on the surviving business of a vision that was a good vision, but you know, the, the black swan event, I mean, it's like we didn't anticipate that. Uh, we made an early investment in, in blueberries, uh, largely because of the Bud's family had, had done that and we thought it was a good, good addition to it. That's been a challenging investment because it's farming, we're it's not farmers. Farm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we still have that. Um, we have a data center, um, uh, uh, IFMD, that's in um, one of the telco buildings, that's, uh, which is an exciting business. All of which, except for Kim Cloud, which is in Auburndale, but brought good jobs, good high-paying jobs down to Winter Haven, and so in, into the downtown area. And it's something we'll probably continue to do. Again, I need to go all that back. And those all grew out of kind of real estate leases. You know, us getting involved in the business that way, we weren't really going out to do it that way. Um, um, but it, it's again, they've added to the bottom line significantly, and uh, in real estate, just doesn't do that as quickly. Um, we so in 2012, we went out to raise some money, 
This, this is the first time y'all raising outside capital. Right. We, we ended up um, raising $13.5 million dollars, um, <laughs> in 2012, which were non-voting, um, I mean, truly non-voting stock. It left uh, Bud and his dad and me and Joe as the only voting shareholders. <laughs> um, um, and again, it was a good part of our story. You know, we, we've got real estate. Um, we've got uh, tech tech company investments. Um, we've got this company, ChemClad, it's spitting out revenue. Um, you know, we kind of put it all together, and and amazingly, frankly, we sold it all. Um, a lot of we we definitely, uh, and looking back, you can kind of question how much people bought in just for the investment. And what the investment meant to them as far as investing there in their hometown, uh, you played that up, you know. And it's it's pretty much just that was total local capital, right? Just total, people that total local capital, except for you and Deke bought I bought a little bit of stuff over the years. I mean, it's still yeah. people live in Winter Haven or uh, used to live in Winter Haven and retired elsewhere, but uh, we have over a hundred investors now. Uh, we've got and how many times have have you raised capital? And kind of what does that look like? Is it still that same framework where y'all, you guys, I mean, minus Bud's dad who's passed away, control this? And how how's the structure look? Um, well, in 2012, we raised at 13.8. Mm-hmm. That was non-voting shares and S corp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we went out and talked to people. Uh, people were saying, God, I wish I could put this in my IRA because, you know, it's a long-term investment. You explained to me, I can just pass it along. Because it was non-voting, we've made it very easy to devise and inherit the, mm-hmm. that property. We don't care who really owns the non-voting share because they really have no voting rights. So we did a extraordinary series of backflips. Um, we had to totally rearrange our corporate structure so that we had an entity that could take in uh, IRAs, you know, a traditional S-corporation. You can't have an IRA being an investor. Uh, it was a miracle because we had to go through like seven steps and we had to get all the banks to agree to it and we had to get all the existing investors to agree to it. Which is like, that's like, a, that's seriously a, an alignment issue, right? Right. You know, right. We are very in line with our investors, and we can talk about that a little bit. But but anyway, we we so along. We raised another ten point two million in two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, are, you know, as you know, out now just finishing up another raise. Uh, this is going to come in around seventeen point five million dollars. Um, so we raised forty five million dollars in, in the form of equity during that uh, during that period, and it's all been. Um, non-voting shares, um, which has a variety of advantages and disadvantages to people, right? But mostly the investors we've talked to who believe in town, have believed in us, um, believe in the long-term vision that we've tried to communicate to people, um, everybody's fine with it. You know, um, well, and their pair pursue with you guys, their their win and their loss goes right alongside you, Joe and Bud, right? I mean, you don't have any any special situation. No, we, no, no, we, you know, early on we set relative very modest salaries for us, and you know, we haven't even raised them in connection with you know cost of living, anything. I mean, we mm-hmm. 
Ellen can come in here and say, you guys are being overpaid. In fact, we can argue that we're well underpaid for people. But, you know, we're totally, we have skin in the game, as I would say. We want to make distributions. We want to grow value because we have a significant investment ourselves in the thing. So there's really good alignment with our, I believe, with our, our investors. So you're moving kind of this portfolio. You've kind of, you, you have office, retail, residential, industrial. There's a lot of food groups. And like what we focus on 10 blocks, you guys are basically focusing on an 80 block kind of vision. Yeah. Y'all got the map and you're working within that to make that a flourishing place. That's that's correct. You know, mm-hmm. Bud often says, well, we don't want to own the whole thing, but it's over the years. It's like, well, maybe we should own the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but as you, you pointed out earlier, I think Ed Walker first said it, you know, the biggest challenge is in our development form of development is actually buying property and controlling property. Right. People don't want to sell you property. Um, you can't make them. And, and it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I think, as Ed Walker described it, either um, uh, debt, uh, or divorce, or distraction, or, or did I say death yet? Yes. Uh, and maybe know, drugs would be another one. Yeah, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. But, <laughs> but, you're, but you're, but you're right. Something's got to happen significantly in the life of the seller that previously they were going to sell it, but now they, either the value gets to a certain place or their life gets them to a certain place. Right. And th- that actually you happens gotta, in. You got to be ready with money at that point. Right? <laughs> yeah, you, know? you, you can't. The time to get ready is not when they're ready. Right, right. So it's 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 been a challenge like that, and still does. I mean, as we as we've added value to downtown Winter Haven, of course, it, the price goes up all the time too. Right. Um, um, Are y'all buying anything that you really for the for our audience that doesn't require renovation? Does most everything require? A lot of renovation. How does that look like? What we is... have not been just financial buyers in the past. Um, um, although we are considering a an investment now. Yeah. Um, that would because you fix out. most of the things that were damaged. Huh? Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a tenant in mind for the building that would we'd have to do some significant work um, mm-hmm. to to accommodate their needs. But uh, it's a good building. It's not like we're looking it down and tearing it apart. Right. And like we've done a lot starting from scratch. So y'all, y'all, you started this, then you started, I guess, managing your own property. You're taking care of the property. You've got operational business. Seems like now this back office is a pretty big deal. You're running lots of businesses from development to leasing, to managing construction, to, you know, just, there's a lot of things going on, right? Yeah, <laughs> we've got, I checked this morning, we've got 65 properties now, um, some 263 tenants. Um, we, as you know, because uh, you tell us all the time, we're lousy at it. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we still manage all these things. Uh, we're the best landlords on the planet, I think. We take too, too good a care of our tenants, but... It's just what we've done, and, and um, it's paid off on certain levels quite a bit. Um, uh, people, I just had a call this morning from um, a tenant that just wanted to tell me, just saying, you're the best landlord I've ever had. I, I have to even <laughs> call you about this, you know? So, um, but well, yeah, I kid you. Why, that's, why, that's why, I mean, again, I'm a lawyer. I don't have money. 
Uh, I'm a nervous strategist because Facebook says I am, <laughs> uh, but people like Steve Chrisman and and Bud and Joe, I mean, they can work a spreadsheet and work people and they have to have great judgment as to how to hire people. But we don't test people as much as you do, but we didn't start doing some of that. Um, so what did you think when I first started talking to you about personality types and how it, how it influences the decisions you make? <laughs> what right. well you know and you've had us do everything i mean we're, <laughs> we've been scrumming it we've been five voicing it we've been jiting it enneagram <laughs> you name it you know you started talking to me about myers bridge i don't think i've ever taken a test you already <laughs> did it um, no, it's it's uh, uh, the addition of more, the Mars Collective and the laying on of hands that y'all have done to our corporate structure and everybody else in relationships have been absolutely invaluable. I don't know if they're invaluable. We pay you a big check every uh, month. And, and as one of your former clients say, said when we asked you about it, they said, well, we pay them this every month, I guess forever. Well, it's amazing the way you guys have, I mean, and what I really love to see is after 30 years of relationship plus or whatever it is, you're still discovering things about one another as partners and how that, how each other sees the world and how you can better collaborate together. And, and you guys are growing together with your company and, and even in your community. I, I love what you're doing. It, the struggle is you're really trying to do this from a long-term hold standpoint, which means the machine runs on cash. Right. That said, if you're going to keep growing, you've got to keep either raising, borrowing, or making money, right? I mean, we've, we've said in connection with every raise that we're getting close to the end. Yeah, but again, I've, I've heard that enunciated many, many times here, and we're looking at another big, big expenditure this month right um it makes sense you know uh, if on the long-term value the acquisitions of additional property that are still at the right price we can buy them it makes total sense but we'll see you know um who knows what's going to happen in the world and and um, um but you know I, I know you're familiar with the, the book uh anti-fragile Mm -hmm. Taleb, uh, and you got a red black swan and stuff like that. You know, and, you know that concept, and I don't pretend to understand that book totally. The guy's a genius, but we are pretty anti-fragile. We have an extremely diverse portfolio, although we're concentrated in a single town. You know, when the when the um, the pandemic hit, um, you know, you we were terrified, but. Sure enough, I mean, we had enough people that made it through that and, and we worked with them and that it really didn't miss a lick. Uh, when Mr. Strang passed away, you know, Mr. Strang was an incredible guy um, and everybody in town knew him. He, had, he, he was the mayor, or he, he, he was the head of every, had been the chairman of every philanthropic organization you can absolutely imagine. And he had a real balance sheet. So when we were borrowing money, Right. I mean, when he guaranteed it, it meant something. Uh, and when he passed away, of course, that was an event of default after uh, over all our debt. And we can, you know, that's a whole other thing, but we've done, I think, a very good job of managing that. Um, 
but we didn't. We were able to kind of get through that, you know. Um, and and so I, I think we're, we're we're building ourselves for the long run. At least what we think the long run is going to be. Well, and looking at downtowns and yours again, I love it. I think you're better than even you think you are because I look from the outside and see. First, it's like a complex mixed use development with fractional ownership, you guys control enough of it now and steward it well to make a real impact. Like if y'all go a direction with your portfolio, um, it makes a big difference. So so one thing I'm hearing you say, so we raise capital, y'all still put debt on it in some ways, oh, yeah. and then you're making money along the way. And so all these components fit together for you to fund the the, the continuation of this portfolio and its growth. Yeah, and we, you know, we've had a lot of uh, investors uh, who are willing to lend us money mm -hmm. in the best times, uh, unsecured, you know, unsecured promises. So like, like, like mezzanine debt and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, we learned that was called mezzanine debt, you know. Later. <laughs> Uh, it was just called a loan before. <laughs> yeah, it was just called a loan, and you know, you borrow money at twelve percent, and we buy down to six percent, and, and it's, it's which is really good terms for mezzanine debt. Uh, right. Um, and so you know, our loan to value and the whole portfolio is very nice. Um, um, and again, on this this raise uh, that we're just ending now, there hasn't been a lot of having to convince people. Um, of something that, that you know, wild is going to happen, or the you know somebody's going to come along and buy all this stuff. We told them, no, this is what we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Know what we're doing, and uh, of course, somebody shows up with with the, with the right uh, price for myself. But more than anything, I mean, I, you know, that we we miss uh, at least, and I think not emotionally, but from a, a bigger perspective. If, we almost need a big brother to show up, you know? I mean, somebody that could really have some money uh, and we could do some of these projects all at once. Okay. Um, as, as you know, John, our, the last, well, kind of the last step uh, is building um, much more residential options in the downtown. And we, Because you really didn't have a lot of that, right? There was like many nine, people like, living downtown. Yeah, 2015, we did Rain Garden, which was nine apartments, nine, nice apartments, but it was first, um, a residential development that had been done in 30 years in the downtown. Mm -hmm. And then we built a 20 unit apartment, it was very popular. And then we built now Rain Dance, which is 102 units and it's leasing up like crazy. Um, we'd like to be building another 140 unit apartment right beside it. And we've got, we've tied up property um, right in you know, a great location um, to make a deal with the city to build a, um, go into partnership kind of with them and, and um, build a parking garage. Um, and the city's been a great partner with us. We got, and I don't, you know, they really are, they really have been. Um, early on, um, um, city manager David Green kind of got urban revival and, and kind of got the new urbanism and mm -hmm. did a lot of things like moving the library downtown, fixing all the infrastructure, expanding our park. We have this really incredible linear park, which is abandoned rail, railroad property, runs right through the middle of town. Um, they've continued to to invest in that manner, and and you know we've had people like Joe Cassini come in. Uh, we've had everybody from Lord Delaney to uh, Stefano Colazoidis to uh, Bob Gibbs to Robert Chapman to 
uh, uh, the guys that are leading the this move these movements. Over. Yeah, all of which have been you know we embrace the new urbanism, um, and we've had some really good advice from those people. Although nearly everything they advised takes money, you know, or, <laughs> or it's like they just say this would be a perfect place for a hotel. Well, like yeah, but we don't own it. You know, and, and the guy doesn't want to sell it. So what are we going to do next, right? Although you have one and you ended up buying a property and you have a hotel about to open, right? That you, you uh, That you did a deal with. Yeah, I have a, a stay bridge. Uh, to build a beautiful building, actually. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be a real, and we were instrumental in that. We assembled all the property, uh, did a lot of stuff with the, uh, getting the city to get on board with it, which they have done magnificently. Uh, great partner and developer that we've invested uh, in the in the long run with him too. Uh, so yeah, there's still a bunch of stuff happening, and, and uh, we've got a few problems. I mean, there's a few pieces of property that you know we really need to acquire, uh, or somebody needs to do something with. Um, but we'll, but y'all keep being the somebody. It seems like <sighs> that's. That's happened a whole bunch. Although so, we've, gotten out, we've gotten out bid recently on a couple of projects, which, we'll which is great. It happens, you know. Well, and that's what I, I really feel like in Opelika, the last you know seven million or so dollars wasn't mine in ashes, and so I feel really grateful for that because that tells you other people are seeing the value or seeing what's happening. And um, people are waking up to this idea that downtowns matter. There's only one downtown in a town, and it matters. And uh, these structures matter. Talk to me a minute about as your population and your in your uh, investors get older, how have y'all solved their need for for liquidity and some of the things that's going on? How do you did you think of that in the beginning, and then did it come along as uh, you know as y'all see your population? Oh, yeah. It's been a it's been a obstacle. For a sale, I mean, you know, some people want to invest in the money market and are investing in Wall Street, and I put my money out and get my money out at any time. Um, mm -hmm. um, but by making it to non-voting shares, we've made it easily divisible, right? I mean, although we have to approve certain things, so in stock trades hands. Um, if I own in my IRA a bunch of these shares, like this captive long. Uh, we do have a, a no jerk rule um, in <laughs> certain areas, you know. But again, if, if, if when Joe over here owns this stock, it, you know, it doesn't matter. He, he can be pleased or not pleased with us or think we should do this or that, but he's not going to vote. So um, we made it easily dividable. Um, we also, there was a market developed outside of us. We didn't make it. Uh, people can trade hands on uh, in a trade stock or, you know. So buy. They're buying and selling shares right. among individuals. That's right. And then uh, we had a, a, a uh, originally we had a not very useful process, but we got everybody to amend the operating agreement um, several years ago to establish a redemption program so that up to $2 million a year, we can say, okay, we'll buy back, back up $2 million or less every year. We've been doing a million dollars and so. And, and then that's at the share price that they, that the last. Price that, that we established and used for all kinds of purposes. Um, and, and that's an outside group audits you and appraises the properties every so often to give this value. Um, we, uh, uh, this, is, this is interesting, I think. 
Um, when we took on IRA um, investors, at the at the end of every year, an IRA investor's got to report to the IRS what's the value of my asset. Right. So in January, we started a process of, of, of which has not been a it's been a very consistent process, which we think is fair. Um, we have an appraiser who comes in and values the property from an 8% investment perspective, not necessarily fair market value, because that can go up and down rapidly in connection. Right. We get outside uh, appraisal where we're operating the company. Uh, and then we put them all together and say, voila. Here's the share value, right? Stock is, yeah, this is the stock and the share value. Uh, and again, then the transactions for the rest of the year, that is kind of a deal. And, and even people who have uh, bought and sold stuff outside any of our involvement have used those prices. But it's 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 a fair price, but it's probably a low price. Right. Uh, I mean, we can, I think you can make an argument. It's a, conserva it's a conservative approach in looking at the assets, yeah. Right. Because, I mean, a lot of times you're toting land-banked property, we would call it, properties that have no income in the portfolio as you wait to develop. I mean, you're in active development. It's not like, I mean, you're changing the tire on a car while it's driving oftentimes. There's a lot going on. It's not like it's sitting as a stabilized portfolio yet to your point of continuing to grow. That's exactly correct. Yeah. And it's, 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 that's, yeah, that's the challenge. What do you wish you had known about from and since you've got this legal mind, what do you wish you would have known ten years ago about saving downtown Winter Haven, building downtown Winter Haven, investing in it? That that if you knew now, you would say, "Man, if I would have known that ten years ago, that would have been phenomenal." I don't know if it would have been phenomenal. One of the big things surprised me is how slowly things move. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get involved and you're looking at this stuff intensely. You can see. All this stuff that you know should happen. You know, it would be great to happen right away. But you get, you know, assemble the property, get the approvals, raise the money. Um, you know, it, you just things move at their own pace that it's hard for uh, to influence it dramatically. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we push this wheelbarrow of the city all the time. Um, yeah. but things and have been for a long time, right? I mean. It, yeah, at least but, you. Mission changes. The city managers change. You know, yeah. um, the the interest rates change. The economy changes. The all that. Right, right. So it's a. Uh, I you know when I I I've been a transactional lawyer, certified real estate lawyer, and stuff, and I closed deals, put deals together, and I thought, well, yeah, you own that real estate, and then you just collect the rent check. <laughs> That's not how it goes, you know. <laughs> um, so tell us about the size of the team there, too. Like, how many, what does 610's core office and real estate look like? Like, kind of what what are y'all doing and how many people work with you guys? It's pretty, pretty um, skinny. Uh, yeah. over there. It's me, Joe, and, and Bud. I'm still working every day. Um, you know, Steve Christmas has been remarkable pulling together our financial rule. Uh he has three people working for under him now because he's in accounting. Yeah, in accounting. Uh, we've got receptionists and and then we have our 
Uh, we've got 10 guys on our, our um, uh, staff. Of, um, uh, Keeping the properties up, property management. Stuff like that. We have a great group of people. I mean, yeah. Yeah, everybody that sell, I, I love talking to your team because they all say we're here because we we love the people we work with. Yeah. I don't think we anybody we've hired in the last six years has come to us and said, I really want to work for y'all. I really want to be part of 16. You know, you know mm. which is great. Um, yeah, the other thing is, I didn't, in 2013, I didn't realize that, you know, I had like, I would I would bill like thirty clients a month. Um, you know, I have a really good practice, and and you know, I would worry about thirty clients a month. And I was thinking, oh, I can come over here and start working with six ten. I, I have one client, but when you go out and then sell stock, and you you know, people if these are your friends, um, they're trusting you. But I mean, some people put in just big chunks of money. I'm going like. Suddenly it wasn't. And then you had written the paperwork or worked on it. You knew how, how, I mean, you did the risk is described a hundred ways from Sunday, right? I can like a lot of risk disclosure statement. You know, (laughs) I have about things sometimes. So, yeah. Uh, And so you don't lose, and even it was non voting shares, you don't lose your, your worry. Uh, And in fact, I thought I had more of it because before, I could tell these 30 clients I'm going off for two months or I'm doing a sabbatical on the hike here or I'm going to travel here. Yeah. Well, uh, suddenly it was like, well, I can't do that. All these people are like counting on me. You know, yeah. I, I can't get their approval. I can't say, here, you're not going to be available here for the next month. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. But, so, you went from a more what you thought was a lot less freedom to a lot less freedom. Well, in a way, because when you're when your investors or your community members, they're your friends and family, right? Sure, sure. And it's like you know, counting on you, looking at you when you're down having a glass of wine in the wine bar. Like, why aren't you working now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what has been one of the best surprises along the way? Um. It's a rolling surprise it's that we actually take buildings and make them beautiful, mm. uh, and then people want to lease them. You know, I mean, and they put good stuff in them. Sometimes it really makes you happy. Like the little wine bar we went to, just seeing how much the young young lady that runs it loves it, and are oh, going yeah. to you know just seeing your, your the brewery you guys help come in and how. People are attracted to what he's making there and what he's doing. There's some real success stories there. Yeah. And, you know, we got so fortunate uh, on connection with the brewery. I mean, Joe Dunham um, not only turned out to be a good businessman, he was just an incredible brewer. I mean, you know, in that place, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody's writing it uh, about the the effect of um, craft beer on urban development. I mean, (laughs) you know, getting getting a... uh, Getting a brewery in town was like, man, we're, we're here, you know, like, <laughs> we made it, you know. Well, but he's created a culture. A, a great, wonderful spot for people to gather and bring the children and bring the dogs and and uh, and drink and you know, drink really good beer. Um, uh, we got lucky there. I mean, because you can you can see uh, somebody come in and do all the stuff and they make lousy beer and nobody wants to go down there. Yeah. Sometimes, though, have you had tenants come in with ideas that you felt you didn't get lucky? 
Yeah, you know, we made a lot of, you know, we make a lot of mistakes. I and, mean, you know, the name of our company is 610. So, you know, we're hoping to get six out of 10, like we can make some money. Uh, 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 yeah, we've had, you know, people, people uh, delight and disappoint you sometimes. Um, well, what's hard is you're taking chances. Uh, like I think about your honeycomb there taking chances on people. And sometimes you're so pleasantly surprised at how gifted they are and what they can do. And other times they didn't have as gifted an uh, 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 outlook and experience on something as they thought and you thought, because they risk their money and we risk ours. You know, I used to call it a rent a dream program. I said, <laughs> they, they had a dream and I needed some rent. And so we tried to get together. There's a lot more ideas than there are money out there. Uh, yeah. Starting businesses and, and, you know, obviously restaurants and bars and those kind of things are great money makers when they work and they just are lousy when they don't. And they're not much in between, it seems. Yeah, that's right. You don't get the mediocre tenants that last very long. I mean, yeah. especially in the challenge, as you know, the challenge of downtown, uh, particularly retail, is that, you know, you want people to stay open all the time and you want it vibrant but most of these businesses can't afford an employee and there's one person with a passion to do it and they don't want to be from 10 a.m in the morning to 11 o'clock at night in their office right well to show your care you even started your own business down there for a while a yoga business right yeah inside out yoga has gone for 10 years it's about it's about to end um but not only you know we we did a lot of good yoga there. It was great. And and, and we took spaces that, that became available through the 610 portfolio, needed somebody to go in there. We always paid fair market rent. Um, um, but there's a lot of yoga options now in downtown Bear Haven. And uh, my landlord up over there, which is one of our tenants, I was subleasing. She wanted to raise the rent a whole bunch, and I understood why. Yeah. Uh, but um, she runs a CrossFit business. Yeah. We went in there, I was like, okay, we have this cool little yoga studio. Collaborative we, with them. Yeah, be collaborative, but it didn't work out. Apparently, CrossFit, like you get extra points for slamming weights down like really hard and playing, you know, loud. Or some of my yoga teachers think, you know, give me a little quiet sitar music at best and <laughs> we'll get through. But Anyway, it's all been good. It's good. We, we opened that in uh, September 2013. So, wow. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So as we kind of land the plane here, two things. First, where is Winter Haven in 10 years if if everything goes the way you're hoping? What, is, what does Winter Haven look like in 10 years? Well, you know, more of the same. Um, you know, I was driving around last night, and, and, and you know, we have beautiful skies here. And, um, you know, the dusk hour, you drive around and things, and especially after a ramp, it was just everything was sparkling. Now, people like Robert Chapman will tell us things look too good that we should bring in, you know, designers from Universal to make the walls look older and stuff like that. But we've got a, a vernacular of, of largely white buildings, which is maybe some boring, but. Um, they look good when they're and beautiful out. murals. You guys have done you've done murals all over. I think such a good job at creative ones. I love the one with the lady's face and then like the ivy is her hair. And there's just, I mean, 
you you have brought what, art. What a great example you say to uh, bring that up and timely, and that 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 piece of um, a mural that then had a vine growing around the woman's hair is done by I mean Bill Lawrence, who has is doing this whole motif now, community love. Mm-hmm. And this um, 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 sculpture um, that is going to be unveiled at twelve thirty on this Saturday, oh, nice. um, and you know that's it, all been donated. People have said, "Okay, you can, uh, you can use this corner," and and people have raised money to help help them do it. So, um, yeah, it's it's community building, as you know. It's not. It's just not buildings. It's it's. Um, all the other program that goes on. And that's why, you know, Main Street and uh, Anita Strang has, have done just amazing things as far as that much activity we get down there. Your city, your Main Street, y'all guys, all aligned and pushing. It's one of the big factors, I think, that help you. Y'all brought a lot of art downtown and, and music. You guys d- donated a building, the Dairy Down. You bring music there. It's there's a lot of you guys are making your own weather in a lot of ways. Now it's not as much today as when you started, but you've had to. I, I mean, I still see sixteen guys blowing the sidewalks off. Well, yeah. Well, you know, you, you push the city so far, but you know, if they don't keep stuff clean and, and attractive, that, that affects everything we do. So it's, that's all right. Yeah. Well, it's part of placemaking, right? To, to it's it's like sophisticated real estate development, but you got to have this love for place and willingness to do more than just the minimum. Right. Yeah. And you guys have done that great. Okay, so here's a quick question: Who do you know doing good work in the world? And I know you're a boys club maniac. It seems like right, boys and girls club. Yeah, that's well, been one of your passions. Involved, involved. Yeah. Well, you've loved it and you've cared deeply about it. Every time we've talked about it, I see your, I mean, you care deeply about your community. It's one of your, it's, it's just one of your things and um, it shows. But so who's doing good work in the world we should know about that you know about? Well, if you mentioned Boys and Girls Club, and I don't know if this has anything to do with the redemptification of buildings, but you know, we put the mer- a merger of a couple of clubs together a few years ago and, and brought in this guy, Steve Giordano, who was a turnaround specialist in retail. We said we didn't want a person from a nonprofit movement. We wanted somebody new business. But <laughs> unbelievable thing. I mean, I've, I've never seen anybody manage his employees, uh, generate more enthusiasm. He's just quadrupled the amount of money coming in or uh, quadrupling the amount of kids we're serving we're opening up new clubs i mean you know you that told me that five years ago that was going to happen i'd be going like no way you know so it um, shows the power of that leadership and the perspective you guys had to not just get a non-profit leader but to get a leader that had the skills even from the for-profit world you know if you're talking about people i know that you should know well you know robert chapman hmm. Uh, you know, I think you should have Robert on. Robert, Robert has got, I think, one of the most unique perspectives on new urbanism because he, he was the original signatory of the, of the new urbanist manifesto or whatever it was called, uh, and was one of the earliest builders uh, back in the '90s who, who did one of these projects, mm-hmm. um, and has been involved with everybody since then. His perspective, and he, he is a relational. Genius. He knows everybody and he connects people for the good of this movement 
I mean, I, out of his care for it, it's unreal. Yeah, it really, it really is. I'm just every. You know, Thank you for highlighting that because that is somebody we need to we need to have on the podcast. But we also need to highlight the work he's doing. He's in uh, Raleigh, Durham. Right? That's right, um, Durham. He, he's an yeah. old dude. Yeah. He's got. He's a great guy. He has some cool properties there too. He he is a a man that uh, admires and enjoys funky. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know. <laughs> I love it. As we're riding around in his old BMW with him up to the places in these 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 restaurants and coffee shops, he's kind of helped bring about. I just thought this is the quirkiest guy. This is awesome. Yeah. He comes from a very interesting his father was a really interesting real estate developer. Not anywhere near as a nice a guy as Robert is, but um, <laughs> there are two high-rise buildings in Winter Haven. Um, that were built in the late 60s by Mr. Chapman, who was his, his father, who was entrusted by HUD to go out and assemble um, housing associated with churches. Um, so one of the towers is Episcopal um, mm-hmm. Tower, the other one is a Catholic Tower. Um, and he did something like 50 of these throughout the Southeast. Um, they paid him a set sum of money, and it was $50,000, and he was the developer. He assembled the property, cleared all the other stuff. And um, you'd be interested to hear, maybe, maybe not. But uh, he was a pretty um, Christian man um, mm-hmm. when he went into that business. But dealing with church boards, <laughs> in a way, one of the most fervent atheists I've ever seen in my life. It kind of knocked the wind out of him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but anyway, he, he had a lot of stories about about. People asking. I bet he did. Well, you know, sometimes I say, you know, we get vaccinated to the gospel. I said, and it is a struggle. I mean, it is one thing to love God for yourself and try to, if you, if you love God and love your neighbor, that's, that's about the whole book, but people make it a lot more complicated. (laughs) The whole book, you're right. So what have you done? You're an experienced guy. I love, like, guys, I can't tell you how much I love reading Carrie's stories and writings about when he visits somewhere. He'll visit Spain or Italy or just anywhere. The way he writes about it, it may be better than being there in some ways. But you love traveling. You love experiences. What's an experience you say, man, I've done this and you guys should do this? Well, um, I'll, I'll break that. You, 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 I knew you were going to ask me a question like that. I didn't know it was going to be this wide scale. Um, you know, everybody's got to go to India. Really? You think, India. you think, okay, okay, you know, India's, you know, overpopulated, it's violent, it's, you know, but God, what a, what a kaleidoscope of humanity and, and culture that they've got going down there. Um, we did, I did get to go to Canterbury um, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago in England. And um, I was going to go to Poundbury, uh, which is, you know, the, the, the King, King Charles's that, uh, that design and you know, development. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it just turns out I was driving too big a car and I didn't want to drive it any further. But and it was kind of out of the way. So we ended up in Canterbury, which has been a town since Roman times um, with Canterbury Cathedral and, and stuff. But it was just a new urbanist dream I mean, really how that building I mean, had come about organically 
how they've handled uh, pedestrianism. I mean, the A2 is a pretty major road. Used to run right in the middle of town. They eliminated all of that, turned into big pedestrian malls. You know, the place was bombed um, heavily uh, during World War II. And they put up, and soon thereafter, after the war was ended, they put up all this box housing, they called it. Um, but in the 1960s, they had said, This is ugly. It's not authentic. <laughs> they tore it all down and you know, brought in all Good on them. Shirt and stuff and, and did apartment projects, all that look like. Well, they're new, but it could have been there in the 12th century. Right. They did it with with love and care. You can tell that they decided they wanted it to have a certain certain theme. Anyway, but Canterbury was pretty cool. We stayed in a a bed and breakfast across the street from St. Dunstan's Church where Thomas More's head is interred. Great. (laughs) Did you check that head out? (laughs) Oh, if you want to talk about books, anyway, we won't talk about books unless you want to talk about Well, books. yeah, we have to say what have you read we should read. But guys, I got to warn you, Carrie sends me some of the most unusual books you could ever imagine. And uh, although he's he's currently, he stopped sending them, but he did send me a lot of prosperity gospel books for a while there to try to make sure I was like going the wrong direction. It was a hint, hint, hint. So, but here we are with books. Carrie, one of your love is reading, obviously. Tell us something we should read that you've read. All right. Well, let me first say, because, you know, nobody reads anymore, but (laughs) if you want to watch something that's incredible, there's a documentary out that came out in April about Little Richard called Little Richard, I Am Everything. That is just one of the most interesting collection of archival photographs and a man living out the Lord. I mean, yeah, he, he was living out the Lord as just as much as you can. It's an incredible, incredible film. You know, he's from Macon, Georgia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been to his little house over there. So, yeah, Little Richard. And how many other musicians he inspired is unbelievable. So this this um, um, documentary pulls a lot of that together. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a little, little just... Little small portion of Mick Jagger stand there and goes, Little Richard, he was everything. That's <laughs> <laughs> where the title could come, come from with his little everything, you know. But uh, all right, so the other thing you should read, and it has nothing to do with housing, was that there was on, on, I think it was um, July 3rd in the Washington Post, okay. this Sally Jenkins. Um, wrote an article, a long article about the the friendship and competition between Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett. And it is one of the best written articles of that story ever. It'll be a Pulitzer Prize. Man, it's really I mean, doubt that. It's worth it's just worth read whether you're into tennis or not. It has nothing to do with it. Um, all right, so other books I would recommend anybody to read if you uh, uh, if you haven't read P.G. Woodhouse. And P.G. Woodhouse's Jeeves stories, you know, the Jeeves the Butler, he wrote some 35 short, uh, short stories and some 11 novels with Bertie Wooster and his man Jeeves. That if you're depressed, it'll make you laugh. If you're happy, it'll make you laugh harder. It's laugh, I mean, laugh out loud, funny stuff. Um, Code of the Woosters, if you wonder, if you're going to read one of the first little novels. It's just, it, it, the guy was a master of the English language. Um, 
Did you has somebody on your on your on your podcast recommended David Fleming's Lean uh, Logic? I don't think so. Um, David Fleming was a British philosopher and economist. He died about five years ago. Um, but he wrote this, he wrote a lot of interesting stuff, but Lean Logic, a dictionary for the future and how to survive it. Is it's a remarkable book. Um, Andres Duani, I was talking to him about four or five months ago on the phone, and he said, Read this book. It's the only, if I had to take one book to a desert island for the rest of my life, it's the book I would take. And um, anyway, it's, it's, it's something you can pick up. It's dictionary form, right? He, he, he takes concepts and then writes about them and links them with all the other concepts in the, in the, in the deal. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting book. I can't profess I've read it all, but um, I, I try to look at it as often as I can and read a chapter. Um, I will talk to you about Giacomo Casanova. I've told you about that before, but everybody's <laughs> history of my life by Casanova. Guys, you see what he's like. He, You let the cat out of the bag when you start talking about reading and interesting things, and you see how deep the rabbit hole goes with my friend, <laughs> new urbanist, artist, lawyer, urban strategist, placemaker, Kerry <laughs> Wilson. So if you uh, check out 610, visit them in Winter Haven. Go see what they're doing if you love placemaking and you love saving cities and downtowns. They're doing an incredible job. They're, they've been some of my favorite people in the world to work with. And, um, and you can learn a lot from from what they're doing there, especially around raising local capital and loving a place um, and doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, it's, it's not just working for purpose and profits, but working for a community you live in. John, thank you very much for saying that. And thank you for your help because it's uh, March Collective has been a, a profound influence on us. And just make sure you bring Nelson with you next time. I sure will. Thanks a lot, my friend. All right, see ya.